Tyler here with the Around the Bases podcast, here for the third week of the season. <clears throat> Got a lot to get to, so I'm not going to waste any time introducing anything else. So let's get started. <clears throat> so, the Ivy League essentially canceled their spring season, conference season, although if conditions did improve during the pandemic this spring, um, then schools could participate in non-conference games within guidelines and, you know, everything that goes along with that. Basically, the Ivy League's not going to play softball this season, um, and they're at automatic bid is going to turn into an at-large for another team. While it's sad to see one conference opt out of the season, we just have to understand what they're dealing with. I mean, the Ivy Leagues are the smartest people there are in the collegiate uh, world. So, you know... This was in the best interest of their student-athletes because the student definitely comes first at Ivy League schools, not athlete. Um, so you got to respect the Ivy League's decision to just pass because they've done that for spring, fall, and winter sports. So, <clears throat> like I said, it's sad, but, you know, they're doing what's in the best interest for their conference. So, good for them. <clears throat> And I hope it works out for them moving forward into the 2021-22 season and everything as we move forward. Um, Florida State is one of the best teams I've ever seen um, with making adjustments at the plate after a couple times through their lineup. Um, Although... You could take that away from them for how they played against Virginia Tech. Um, but we'll get to that later on in the recap. Um, but you'll see them be close to, you know, teams you wouldn't expect them to be close with or top 25 teams. But then when they, they turn the lineup over to the third time through, the the offense usually wakes up and absolutely destroys the ball in most cases. Um it's quite impressive, and it's a testament to their team making adjustments from their coaches, telling the hitters what they need to adjust to, and I, it's just very impressive to me. So kudos to everyone on the Florida State staff and all their team um, for making adjustments and being one of the best offensive adjustment teams that I've seen. Um, Ole Miss does not look good right now. Um, to start the season, could this be the first year since 2016 where not all SEC teams make the NCAA tournament? Um, the early prognosis is it's too early to say that for sure. But if Ole Miss keeps playing inconsistent, then I would say Ole Miss shouldn't be in the tournament. I maintain the argument that not one conference should not get every one of their teams in the tournament, especially if you have as many as the SEC has in their conference playing softball. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. Um, I get it. The SEC is a power conference in softball, but all 13 teams should not make the NCAA tournament every year in and year out. 
it's I just think that's an opportunity wasted that we could see maybe another top tier mid major, another group of six teams step in and, you know, challenge one of these power five schools. <clears throat> but again, that's just how I feel about it. I could go into a rant on a whole episode about that, but alone, but can't do that. I'm trying to restrict myself a little bit. Um, UCLA's Rachel Garcia got injured in their game against Cal State Fullerton. Um, ultimately, didn't mean much because UCLA tweeted a photo of Rachel give, uh, in the stands giving a thumbs up. So hopefully that injury isn't that serious, but that could have been potentially devastating for not only UCLA softball, but Team USA as well. Um, you know, maybe not the worst thing in the world for um, pitching for Team USA, since they have Cat Osterman, you know, Monica Abbott, you know, those types of names on the team. But they, Team USA would have definitely missed her bat in the lineup for sure. <clears throat> um, but, you know, hopefully Rachel Garcia comes back soon and we can see her playing at the level that we know that she can play at. But we'll just have to wait and see what happens as we move forward. UCLA has a game tonight that um, I don't, we'll see if she's back or not. We'll just have to. Wait, I'll just let you know if she's playing next week. So, stay tuned for that. Um, <clears throat> the Big Ten starts their conference play this weekend down in uh, Leesburg, Florida. So, they're going to enjoy some Florida sunshine and warmth to start their conference season. Um, I'm excited, even though the Big Ten is the worst Power 5 conference, in my opinion. Um... But what to expect, Michigan, Minnesota, your Iowas, your Illinois, those are your top-tier teams, um, Rutgers, Penn State, Indiana, all could pose some problems as well. So the Big Ten is very, the, the Michigan, Minnesota, and Iowa at the top are the three that you should keep your eye on. Northwestern's definitely up there too. Um... Maybe not necessarily locked into that tier yet, but we'll have to wait and see how they play this year, and maybe I can lock them into the top four. Um, but we'll just have to see how that plays out as we move forward. Since the Big Ten doesn't have a conference tournament, the regular season champ will get that automatic bid, so we'll just have to see who plays the best in their, I believe, 44-game schedule. Uh, another conference preseason favorite was released during the past week. The Northeast Conference selected LIU as their conference champion. <clears throat> On to notable games canceled or postponed. Uh, the Maverick Classic got canceled, which took away Arkansas-Texas State. Luckily, Arkansas was still able to get some games in this weekend, so that was good to see. Um, Arkansas was able to adjust on the fly so that was you know a very positive thing that happened this week uh, North Florida at South Florida was postponed due to COVID cases within the North Florida program um, also their games against Auburn and South Carolina got uh, canceled 
or postponed. I believe it was canceled in their cases, but um, so that was the first interesting game for me that was canceled because of COVID itself. Um, Texas and North Texas got canceled yet again, although they still got to play each other this weekend in a different tournament, which I will cover one in later on in the recap. Um, or late, late in the recap, not necessarily early. Um, but those are just some of the notable games that got canceled or postponed for various reasons. Alright, so all those headlines having been said, let's go ahead and recap week two here for you. <clears throat> Starting all the way back on last Wednesday. Uh... What was last Wednesday? The 20... Oh no, uh, the, the, the 17th. Wednesday, February 17th on to yesterday. Uh, Amanda Doyle had two homers and seven RBIs, which powered LSU to a 19-3 five-inning victory over North Dakota. So that was a good little bounce back for LSU. Um... Susanna Anderson was able to overcome walking seven batters uh, by leaving 14 stranded on base in a one to nothing win for Boston College over NC State to open up ACC play. Um, and I was a little surprised by that result, um, you know, because um, I, you know, I fully expected NC State to fully sweep Boston College. But I guess I turned out to be wrong on that one. Um, now, NC State did take advantage of mistakes in their second game to win 6-3 to three to split that doubleheader. So at least NC State was able to get some runs on the board in the second game and get that victory in the doubleheader that day. Um, last Thursday, I think it was. <clears throat> Cara Canetto's two-run single in the top of the seventh led Liberty to a 3-1 win over Troy in a matchup of good mid-majors. So Liberty proved they can beat Troy, uh, a good Troy team who took down... They took down somebody last week, and I already forgot who it was. Um, I know I recapped it last week, but I don't remember offhand. Um... Hannah Adams walked it off for Florida to take down Jacksonville one to nothing. Uh, Valerie Cagle looked great in the circle and led uh, Clemson to an eight to one win over Virginia Tech to uh, start their ACC play. Georgia Tech held Florida State around for the longest time, but you know six runs in the bottom of the sixth and four RBIs from Danny Morgan ultimately sunk Georgia Tech in an 8-1 loss in their first game. And then Kalen Arnold only allowed two hits in five innings pitched in seven to, in a 7-3 to three win in Game 2 for Florida State. So Florida State was able to extend their winning streak over Georgia Tech with that doubleheader split. Uh, Hannah Bacara's three-run homer in the top of the seventh. Plus, a two-run single led Cal State Fullerton to a 7-5 win over L, uh, Loyola Marymount. 
in what turned out to be a very fun, intriguing West Coast game. Because I know, personally, being from the East Coast, it's hard to keep up with West Coast teams since they're not around you. You, you don't see them as much. You don't get as much exposure to them. Um, but that's why I am very committed to staying informed of what's happening across the entire country as best that I can. Um, but uh, Cal State Fullerton went on to sweep the day over uh, Loyola Marymount by winning game two, five to two as well in that series. So Cal State Fullerton swept Loyola Marymount in their two-game doubleheader. Uh, Gabby Plains, 11 strikeouts, Sisbates, 2 RBIs, led Washington past BYU 4-1. Carly Charles only allowed 3 hits in a shutout win for Iowa State over Ole Miss, 2-0. I'm pretty sure I have more Iowa State in this recap, but Iowa State looks really good so far this season. Um, They just cracked into the rankings Uh, the top 25 rankings of one of them. I believe it was the uh, NFCA coaches poll. Uh, Iowa State cracked the top 25 at 25. So I'm very impressed by what I'm seeing from Iowa State so far this season. Ivy Rosenberry allowed only three hits as Virginia Tech got revenge on Clemson for Thursday in a 9-0 five-inning win on Friday. Um, and then Keely Rochard locked down Clemson's offense in Game 2 for a 4-1 to win to give Virginia Tech the series win over Clemson. You know, Keely Rochard doing Keely Rochard things. And once again, Kalen Arnold got the save as Florida State held off Georgia Tech 5-4 to to sweep the weekend with Georgia Tech. So... I was watching their broadcast on ACC Network Extra, and I believe they said Florida State has won 16 or something around that straight against Georgia Tech, so maybe one day Georgia Tech will finally break that streak, but it ain't happening this season. Uh, Once again, Susanna Anderson put another heroic performance together on in the circle. Uh, keeping it tied with UNC for Boston College, but ultimately four runs in the seventh inning uh, gave UNC the 7-3 to win. Brittany Pickett looked good in her return to the circle in an uh, 11-2 six-inning win for UNC over Boston College in the second game of that doubleheader. It was good to see Brittany pick it back in the circle because UNC really missed her last season in the shortened season. And UNC is a much better team when Brittany Pickett is in the circle and hitting in the lineup. So that's why they're a team to watch, as always. Haley Burda's three RBIs led Nevada to an upset of Washington 8-5. to why Washington fell in the top uh, fell to f- around fifth or sixth in the rankings this week. Utah scored three runs in the final two innings to come back and beat Weber State four to three. But then Utah went on to let five unanswered runs cross in their five to three loss to California Baptist. 
which was a very unexpected loss in my opinion, but maybe California Baptist is better than I know. I don't think so, but no offense to California Baptist, but Utah should have won that game on from a merely from a paper standpoint. Um, but that's why we play the game, right? <clears throat> Ainsley Furbush's Fur Grand Slam was part of a big rebound effort for Ole Miss in their 10-1 five-inning win over Florida Atlantic. <clears throat> UNCG uh, held Kentucky scoreless until the fourth, but fell 7-2 in their first game. And then Renee Abernathy and Autumn Humes, three homers and seven to RBIs, powered Kentucky in game two to a 14-4 five-inning win. So a lot of offense there from Kentucky, specifically Renee Abernathy and Autumn Humes. Uh, this might be the first time I've ever seen a no-hitter in a 10-2 six-inning win, but Georgia did it to beat Longwood. Um, yeah, so that was the first time I've ever seen a no-hitter where the losing team had two runs. I've seen no-hitters with one run scored. That makes some sense, but two? You know, that's a little bit crazy, to be honest. But it happened, and we've moved on. So, onward we go. Uh, Gabby Plain had 14 more strikeouts to lead Washington over Dixie State 9-0 in five innings. NC State held on to drop Louisville to 0-4 on the season with a 4-3 win. Alyssa Denham allowed only one hit in 8-0 six-inning win for Arizona over Southern Utah. And Alyssa Palomino Cardoza's two-run homer led Arizona to a 5-2 win over New Mexico. Charla Eccles' three-run homer lead led Florida past Georgia Southern 8-3. Sarah Siemens' four RBIs led Pitt past UVA 7-4 in a surprising result for me. Um, I firmly believe UVA is a better team than Pitt, but UVA clearly didn't prove that over the weekend, as I have later uh, detailed in this recap, so... Stick with me on that one. Uh, Jasmine Esparza's double, home run, and five RBIs is one of many players with an RBI in an 18-1 five-inning win for Central Florida over New Mexico State. That was on Friday. Alana Valter looks good in the circle as Stanford took down San Jose State 9-2. Iowa State held off a comeback from Missouri in the 7th to win 9-8. Once again, proving Iowa State is a really good team and should be able to compete in the Big 12. Pretty good, I would say. Um, but again, stick with me as we go through the season for more on them. Maddie Penta goes the distance and held off a late charge by South Carolina to give Auburn the 5-4 win. Then Auburn went on to take down Jacksonville 5-1. to one. And then in quite 
possibly the shocking result of the year besides Dixie State almost beating Washington. Um, Longwood held off Georgia to pull the upset 3-2. Georgia then rallied with two home runs from Sidney Kuma and Sidney Shambly to take down Kent State 11-3 in six innings. Um... Kaya Oliver shut down UNC's offense in 3-2, nine-inning win for Syracuse. Um, and then Brittany Pickett twirled a five-hit shutout in Game 2, which happened to be a 4 to nothing win for UNC over Syracuse. So they split their doubleheader on Saturday. Louisville walked off on UVA 5-4 in the 7th. Louisville then proceeded to walk it off again with the same 5-4 score against NC State later in the day. So Louisville pulled off two 5-4 walk-off wins in the same day against UVA and NC State. I mean, they were winless coming into the ACC pod weekend, but you know they were able to get some wins out of that weekend, so that's good on Louisville for getting sort of back on the right track. And we'll talk more about the ACC standings once I finish this uh, recap here. Uh, Catherine Sandercock shut down Virginia Tech's offense in a 7-1 win for Florida State in Game 1. Keely Rochard returned the favor in a 9-1 five-inning victory for Virginia Tech in Game 2 over Florida State, thus leading to a rubber match on Game, or on game 3 on Sunday, which I will get to. Ivy Davis's two homers and three RBIs led Tennessee to a 7-0 win over Southeast Missouri State in Game 1. Ashley Morgan and Cal Kalen Hannon's solo homers in the 6th inning led Tennessee to the 5-3 win in Game 2. So Tennessee took that doubleheader against the Southeast Missouri State. Sam Gress and Sam Russ hit back-to-back -back homers to walk off for NC State in a 7-6 win over Boston College, which won them the series for the week. As you'll recall, I mentioned at the start of this recap, NC State and Boston College split their doubleheader on Wednesday or Thursday, whatever it was this past week. Um, but NC State took with those back-to-back -back homers, took the series win over Boston College. Two runs give or gave Texas Tech the three to one nine inning win over Colorado State. Uh, Caleb Beaver shut down Texas Tech's offense in a six to one win for Central Arkansas. Another surprising result. Um, Central Arkansas is certainly a lot better than I'm sure their record says. Um, they give. A lot of tough teams a fight, so there's certainly a mid-major that you should... And this is Central Arkansas's last year in the Southland Conference. They're going to be moving to the Atlantic Sun next year, so give Liberty a little bit of a inter another interesting team to play every year. Um, speaking of Liberty, they put up another good fight. But Amanda Doyle walks it off in a 4-3 win for LSU. So LSU beat Liberty 4-3 in the Easton Bama Bash. 
in at Tuscaloosa. Um, Brooke Wilms, three RBIs, led Missouri past Ole Miss 6-2. After being shut down all game, Charla Eccles' single in the bottom of the seventh walked it off for Florida 2-1 over Georgia Southern. And then homers from Emily Wilkie and Kendall Lindemann led Florida over Charlotte 5-2 on Saturday. South Carolina knocks around Skyler Whitty in 10-0 win over Jacksonville. Six doubles, three homers, and five players with two or more RBIs led Kentucky to a 20-1 five-inning rout of North Carolina Central. And then later that day, Miranda Stoddard's Grand Slam and Kayla Kowalik's three RBIs powered Kentucky to an 11-3 win over Campbell. Alyssa Dalton's three RBIs led Louisiana over Jacksonville State 8-2. Kaylee Tao and Claire Jenkins had three RBIs each. And Montana Fouts' 13 strikeouts led Alabama to an 8-1 win over Liberty. And Shelby Sunseri continues her run of not being great in big games as Lexi Kilfoyle and Alabama took them down 5-2. Carrie Eberly outduels Gigi Wall as Oklahoma State took down North Texas 2-0. Emily Schultz's homer and four RBIs led Stanford past San Jose State 6-1. And Reagan Krause also looked good in the circle in their second game, which was a 7-1 win over San Jose State. So Stanford won their three-game set with San Jose State. Rachel Garcia, I mentioned Rachel Garcia got injured earlier, um, but that didn't stop UCLA from beating Cal State Fullerton 6-2 in their first game. Um, Bree Perez's three-run homer uh, was part of a seven-run top of the seventh inning in their comeback effort, and they beat Cal State Fullerton 10-4. Because... Cal State Fullerton had UCLA down to their final three outs. Cal State Fullerton was up four to three. And then ultimately, Cal State Fullerton's pitching just dissolved in the seventh inning, which led to UCLA winning 10 to four. So it is what it is, I guess. Um, Hannah Bowen's no hitter led Arizona over New Mexico 12 to nothing in five innings. Sacramento State shuts down Cal in 3 to nothing win. A little bit of a shocker, but, you know, it is what it is. Valerie Cagle allowed only two runs in a 5-2 win for Clemson over Georgia Tech. Iowa State did pick up a questionable loss this past week, losing to Florida Atlantic 5-2. So, that's not the greatest look for Iowa State, but that's their only loss of the season so far, so I'm not going to fault them that much for that, because they've beaten Ole Miss and Missouri, so I'm not going to complain with what Iowa State has on their resume so far. 
Morgan Flores has a double, a triple, a homer, and seven RBIs to lead Washington to a 10-1 six-inning victory over Utah State. Kelly Lynch also looked good in that game, too, so that's of note. Lenny Malkin's second homer of the game, which was a two-run homer, gave Arkansas the win over McNeese State 6-4 in the 14th inning in the first game of their doubleheader. Um, that was absolutely insane, too. 14 innings. They played two games in the first game of their doubleheader, so it was absolutely insanity to keep up with. It was fun. Um, and it was certainly one of the highlighted games of the weekend, in my opinion. Because McNeese State is, uh, is like Central Arkansas. It's a mid-major that can cause big teams problems, as Arkansas now knows. Because um, in the second game of that doubleheader, McNeese State won 7-4 to four over Arkansas, so they split their doubleheader. Um, so... But that was another one of the games of the year so far. All their runs were scored before the sixth inning, so. <coughs> Deja Mulipola has two homers and five RBIs. That led Arizona past Seattle 10 to 2 in five innings. Four homers and 12 RBIs by Alessa Bonstrom. Alyssa, Alyssa Barrera and Katie Falk lead Utah to a 14-12 win over uh, UNLV in an offensive slugfest. So that was a fun game to watch as well. Colorado State held off Texas A&M to get the 7-6 win in College Station. Peyton, Peyton Tidd doesn't allow any earned runs as Notre Dame pulled off the upset over Duke 5-3. Summer Ellison allowed only three hits in a 1-0 shutout win for Louisiana over UAB. Florida Gulf Coast took down UConn 3-1 in extras. I believe it went to the 11th, but I could be wrong on that one. It went extras. I just don't remember how late it went. Um, Central Florida exploded again. Their offense is booming right now. They uh, beat up on New Mexico State again, 11-2 in five innings. Brooke Yanez gave up two hits and two runs in a 10-2 win for Oregon over Fresno State. Gase... Uh, excuse me, Grace Ballman and Kayla Kowalik both hit three-run homers in 14-0 five-inning win for Kentucky over North Carolina Central. Then Kowalik and Aaron Kofel combined for two homers and six RBIs to power Kentucky to the 10-0 five-inning win over Mount St. Mary's. Brittany Pickett has a .67 ERA after allowing only one earned run in UNC's 4-2 win over Syracuse, which gave UNC the win in that series over Syracuse. 
South Carolina was able to hold off Auburn in a 6-5 victory on Sunday. Shelby Walters outdueled Alexis Holloway in the circle in a 3-1 win for Duke to even that series with Notre Dame. And then Peyton St. George shut down Notre Dame in a 3-0 win to give Duke the series win over Notre Dame. Alessia Ranchez's two-run double walks it off for Iowa State over Ole Miss, 7-6. Another quality victory for Iowa State on their resume. Taylor Roby looks spectacular in the circle in Louisville's 4-0 win over UVA to win their two-game series, allowing only one hit. So t Taylor Roby looked good. Um... Certainly a name to see if she can do that against bigger ACC foes as we move forward in the season. But I'll alert you to anything as we go through this. Um, <clears throat> Hannah McEwen, Danielle Gibson, and Lenny Malkin combined for all seven RBIs for Arkansas in their 7-2 win over Baylor. So that's a quality win for Arkansas that they can put towards their resume once it comes tournament time. And then Lenny Malkin's two-run homer in the sixth is the difference in a 3-1 to one win over McNeese State. Kendra Lamb allowed only two hits in their 9-1 six-inning win for Louisiana over southeastern Louisiana. Raina O'Neill's homer and three RBIs led Louisiana over UAB 8-2. Speaking of that Virginia Tech-Florida State series, Keeley Rochard tossed a one-hit gem, which gave Virginia Tech the series win over Florida State, 6-0. So basically, what this signals to me is that Virginia Tech is the favorite in the ACC right now um and when i get into the acc standings later i'll talk more about that but right now virginia tech is my favorite to win the acc because of how they played against florida state how keely rochard can put this team on her back and dominate the game leads me to believe that virginia tech is the favorite to win the ACC. But like I said, we'll get to that later. Taylor Pleasance had a huge day. A double, two home runs, and six RBIs in an 8-5 to five win for LSU over Liberty. Katie Cronister only allowed three hits in the 4 to nothing win for Florida over Charlotte. Elizabeth Hightower allowed only one hit in an 11 to nothing 5-inning win for Florida over Georgia Southern. Tennessee scored six in the bottom of the sixth to avoid an upset to Miami, Ohio, 7-3. Courtney Vierstra threw nine strikeouts and pitched a shutout in the 2-0 upset win for Miami, Ohio over Tennessee in their second game. So Tennessee and Miami of Ohio split their doubleheader. Um... Which, it very easily could have been a sweep for Miami, Ohio. So, a little bit of concern there for Tennessee. Maybe, maybe not. 
wait till SEC play to really make a determination about any of those teams, really. Except for Alabama. Alabama beat down on LSU, which I'm about to get to soon. Um, Hannah Shemansky walks it off for Florida Gulf Coast in their 5-4 win over UConn in the 11th inning. And then Florida Gulf Coast promptly went on to lose to Florida International 3-2 in classic fashion. Jadlyn Alchin and Kelly Lynch combined for three home runs and nine RBIs in Washington's 7-0 five-inning route of Utah Valley. Holly Azevedo only allowed two hits in 11-1 five-inning win for UCLA over Loyola Marymount in Game 1. In Game 2, Lexi Sosa shut down Loyola Marymount in a 6-1 win for UCLA. Grace Uribe and Mackenzie Herzog combined to shut down Colorado State in 2-0 win for Texas A&M. And then an error by Texas A&M led to Texas Tech scoring two in the seventh to win that game two to one. And then on top of that, Central Arkansas shuts out Texas Tech five to nothing. So another impressive win for Central Arkansas. Another bad loss for Texas Tech on their resume. Shaylin O'Leary shuts down Wichita State in Texas's first game of the season with 8 to nothing 5-inning win. And then I mentioned Texas and North Texas got together on uh, this weekend like they were finally supposed to. And um, on Sunday, Hope Trout Wayne couldn't keep Texas shut down as Texas beat North Texas 5-1. to one. Melissa Guembarda's 3-run homer set the tone in Clemson's 5-3 win over Georgia Tech in their first game. In the second game, Clemson held off Georgia Tech to win the series 5-4. Shannon Doherty's grand slam in the first powered Central Florida to an 8-0 win to sweep their series with New Mexico State. The top three batters in the Oklahoma lineup combined for seven RBIs. To power past Houston 12-4 in six innings in game one of their doubleheader. In game two of their doubleheader, Grace Lyons' three-run homer led Oklahoma to the 5-3 win over Houston. Mary Wilson advance 12 strikeouts led Georgia to a 4-1 win over Kent State. East Carolina and Coastal Carolina split their doubleheader, both being run-rule victories. Game 1 went to Coastal Carolina 11-3 in 5 innings. And the second game went to Eastern Car- or East Carolina 9-1 in 6 innings. Mariah Lopez, not the one from Arizona, throws 11 strikeouts to help Utah pass UNLV 6-3. I mentioned it earlier, but Kaylee Tao and Bailey Dowling both had five RB, five RBIs in a 13-5 five-inning five vic- victory for Alabama over LSU. Mississippi State scored three in the sixth to down Stephen F. Austin 4-2. to two. 
Southern Illinois scores in the top of the eighth to upset Mississippi State 6-5. Which, fun fact for you, Southern Illinois is currently on a, I believe, 17-game winning streak. So, that's certainly something to keep your eye on as we move forward. They actually got a receiving vote in the top 25 by the NFCA coaches, if I'm not mistaken. So, keep your eye out for Southern Illinois as we move forward this season. Jordan Weber allowed one hit in nine to nothing six inning win from Missouri over Florida Atlantic. Kelly Maxwell throws a no hitter in Oklahoma State's eleven to nothing six inning win over Texas A and M Corpus Christi. And then Haley Busby's four RBIs and Michaela Richburg's three RBIs. Led Oklahoma State past Tarleton State 12 to 4 in five innings. Charlize Palacios hit a grand slam in their 10 to 1 victory for Arizona over Southern Utah. Colorado State only mustered one hit in three to nothing loss to Texas Tech. Aaron Edmondson looked good in the circle, so kudos to Texas Tech for finally getting her going. She turned out to be the Big 12 Pitcher of the Week, if I'm not mistaken. Grace Lyons, four RBIs, and Jocelyn and Alo's Grand Slam, plus another RBI that she had, so five RBIs total for Jocelyn Alo, led Oklahoma to their 13-0 five-inning victory over Tarleton State. Central Arkansas got shut down by Texas A&M in a 2-0 loss. Tennessee scored seven in the bottom of the fourth to down Ohio 11-2 in five innings in the second game of their doubleheader. Their first game wasn't that notable, so I left it off of my notes and notable performances and everything. So, we press on. Um, Lenny Malkin and Hannah Gamble, Gamble, excuse me, both hit three-run homers in 10-6 win over uh, for Arkansas over UT Arlington in their first game of a doubleheader. And then Hannah McEwen's homer was the difference in game two, which turned out to be a 4-3 win for Arkansas over UT Arlington. Oklahoma State scored seven runs in the final three innings to down Lamar 8-0 in the first game of their doubleheader. And then earlier yesterday, uh, Shelby Wickersham fought through some adversity to keep the shutout in a 3-0 win for LSU over Central Arkansas in the first game of their doubleheader. And then Taylor Pleasant's two-run homer in the first inning was the difference in a 2 to nothing win for LSU over Central Arkansas in the second game of their doubleheader. So basically what I learned from that is that Central Arkansas's last three games against LSU have been very tight games. Very well-pitched games, shall we say. One of these days, Central Arkansas is going to get to LSU and get a victory off of them. But it's not going to be this season, so we wait for them. Sierra Bryan's two home runs and three RBIs led Louisiana to a 9-0 to 
five-inning victory over Eastern Illinois. Reagan Diaz holds Stanford's offense to two hits in their four-to-nothing win for Santa Clara, which is an upset. Santa Clara taking down Stanford four-to-nothing at home. Um, good win for the Santa Clara program over there, taking down Stanford like that. And then lastly, Terry Eberly only allowed two hits in a 5 to nothing win for Oklahoma State over McNeese State. <clears throat> Thus ends our recap. And now let's go over the ACC standings. <clears throat> so in last place, or 13th in the ACC, Georgia Tech at 0-6. Pittsburgh is 12th in the ACC right now at 1-4. Notre Dame and Boston College are tied for 10th at 1-3. Uh, Virginia is 9th at 2-3. Syracuse is 8th at 2-2. Two two. NC State and Louisville are tied, at six, tied for 6th at 3-2. Clemson and Florida State are tied for third. Oh, excuse me. Virginia Tech, Clemson, and Florida State are all tied for third at four and two. And funny enough, the top two teams are the teams that are tied for first in the ACC right now, Duke and North Carolina. So the Duke-North Carolina rivalry is on top of the ACC right now at four and one. <clears throat> So basically, the ACC is up for grabs right now. Like I said, if Keeley Rochard is in is in the circle, Virginia Tech will win the ACC. I don't think there's really that much debate about that. That's just, I'm calling it like I see it. So, you heard it here first. Virginia Tech's winning the ACC this year. Um... Now, if I'm wrong about that, we'll talk about that during conference tournament season. But anyway, on to the notable games for week three, starting with the Big Ten's weekend part one in Florida. Or the Big Ten's first weekend in Florida, I guess I should say. On Friday, you'll have Iowa and Ohio State playing a doubleheader. On Saturday, Iowa and Michigan will play a doubleheader, as well as Ohio State and Wisconsin playing a doubleheader. On Sunday, you'll have Northwestern playing a doubleheader with Penn State. And then Michigan, Illinois will play a doubleheader on Sunday as well. So those are the main Big Ten matchups. I'm looking forward to the first weekend in Florida this weekend. Um, then they'll take next weekend off and they'll play another weekend so basically in two weekends they'll play their second weekend in Florida. So these are just the Big Ten matchups that I think are the most intriguing for this weekend. <clears throat> On So tonight we have Missouri at Central Florida. This is a big opportunity for both teams to get a signature win on their resume. Um, can 
Missouri holds Central Florida's high-powered offense down. I don't know. We'll see. Coastal Carolina plays a doubleheader at South Carolina. I'm intrigued to see how Coastal Carolina plays this. Um, whether they win or lose or not. Um, McNeese State plays at Louisiana. I don't really think McNeese State's going to beat Louisiana, but I'm intrigued to see if they'll keep it close. Uh, Texas State travels to Texas and takes on the Longhorns. I'm very intrigued by that matchup. And San Diego State travels to UCLA to take on the Bruins. So I want to see if uh, San Diego State can put on a special performance to take down the Bruins. On Thursday, you got Jacksonville at Auburn. See if uh, Jacksonville can avenge losing to Auburn on their home field. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> North Dakota State will play a doubleheader at Arkansas on Thursday. I'm intrigued to see if this is the same North Dakota State team that basically dominates the Summit League. Um, and I want to see if they can push Arkansas to the limit. LSU at Louisiana, absolutely massive sh early season showdown. <clears throat> so we're going to learn real quick whether LSU is going to start sliding or if they're going to be able to get it back together to win on Louisiana's home turf. North Florida returns to action, going to Florida to take on the Gators. I'm intrigued to see if North Florida can give Florida a fight like Jacksonville did. BYU at Arizona is a very intriguing one. Colorado State at Arizona is another intriguing one. <coughs> Seattle versus Colorado State, another intriguing matchup. <coughs> Friday, you got Notre Dame at Liberty. Texas Tech and North Dakota State. Texas Tech at Arkansas. <coughs> That's a very good matchup. <coughs> Oregon State takes on BYU. <coughs> Cal at Stanford. Mississippi State plays a doubleheader at Texas State. Ole Miss at Baylor. There's a chance for Ole Miss to get back in the good column. Longwood at South Carolina. I want to see if Longwood can may potentially upset South Carolina like they did Georgia this past week. Another huge matchup. Oklahoma State will play at LSU for two games on Friday. Oklahoma at Arizona State is another big one. Seattle at Arizona. Troy will take on UNC for two games on uh, Friday. And then lastly on Friday, Seattle and Colorado State. <clears throat> to Saturday. On Saturday, you got um, Notre Dame at Liberty again. 
James Madison starts their season at Virginia, and I'm very intrigued to see how that game plays out. You know, my alma mater playing at Virginia. Um, I definitely want to see James Madison succeed, and I want to see how they come out and open the season at a UVA or at a Virginia team that seems to be struggling at the moment to get their feet underneath them. <clears throat> Texas Tech will take on North Dakota State again. Oregon State, Seattle. Oregon State at Arizona. That's a great matchup. Cal at Stanford again. Mississippi State at Texas is a very good matchup. Um, Iowa State at Arizona State. There's another chance for Iowa State to put a signature win on their resume. Um, and I think they can do it, but we'll have to wait until Saturday to find out. Longwood at South Carolina again. Longwood and Duke. I want to see it. If Longwood can take it to Duke as well. Uh, Louisiana travels to LSU to take on the Tigers. So basically a reverse fixture from Thursday. Uh, Oklahoma State, Louisiana is an absolutely loaded matchup for Saturday. UNC, uh, North Carolina at Alabama for a doubleheader. Ole Miss at Texas State. And then BYU Colorado State doubleheader. On Sunday, you got Texas Tech at Arkansas. Great matchup. Oregon State, Colorado State. Utah and Oregon, a very important Pac 12, uh, early Pac 12 matchup. Mississippi State at Baylor. So basically, we're going to learn how good Mississippi State is this weekend playing Texas State, Texas, and Baylor. Um, Georgia at Georgia Tech. I want to see if Georgia Tech can show more than just promise and actually beat a good team like Georgia. Duke at South Carolina is uh, actually... Very intriguing matchup that I think we should all be watching. Oregon UCLA, fantastic matchup uh, matchup on the West Coast. Actually, they're playing in Tempe, Arizona, but whatever. Um, Oklahoma State at Louisiana again, another stacked matchup. Ole Miss at Texas. Great opportunity for Ole Miss to get a resume-building win that they need badly. McNeese State at Florida. I want to see if McNeese State can give Florida some problems and hang around with them, give them some trouble. Colorado State at Arizona and Troy at Alabama. On Monday, you got Utah-UCLA. Should be a fun one. Utah at Arizona State. Should be another fun one. And then Oregon takes on UCLA. Um, so those should be fun mat Pac-12 matchups on Monday. Uh, let's see. Some, just some other side matchups that I think should be noticed and taken uh, care watching. 
Tulsa at Texas A&M for a three-game spot this week, or for three games this weekend. McNeese State at Central Florida for three games this weekend. A doubleheader between Florida Gulf Coast at Florida State. Washington travels to San Diego State for three games. Louisville plays two games at Florida. Boise State plays three games at Cal State Fullerton. And then my last one to watch this week is two games between Long Beach State at Fresno State. But otherwise, that's pretty much all I have for you this week. Um, just, you know, these are great matchups, uh, especially with the Big Ten coming around this week. Um... So, you know, just take light of the matchups. Stay tuned with me. Stick with me here. Um, stick with me through my softball tweets and, you know, my stats that I do during this. Um, take in as much softball as you can, you know. That's always my uh, advice for you, for any of you that are still listening at this point. Um... But enjoy the softball this weekend or this week. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next week for we, uh, to preview week four and all the storylines and all the notable stats and performances uh, from this upcoming week. See you then. See you next uh, Wednesday morning, everybody. Have a great week.